the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if you've been with me for the duration this morning, God bless you. You got some staying power. We are into hour number five of this Francathon here on uh, this Monday, the ninth, or excuse me, the seventh morning of the first month of the year of our Lord twenty nineteen. Uh, and thanks again to Congressman Jordan, who joined me earlier this morning on the Hugh Hewitt program uh, to discuss all of these matters with respect to the border, the shutdown, and, yes, the Syria situation. If you did not know, um, the president's national security advisor, John Bolton, is not in the United States right now. He is rather in Syria. Uh, excuse me, not in Syria. He's discussing Syria. He is in Turkey. He was in Israel yesterday. And our own Hugh Hewitt is along with him. Here's a report from Fox News. President Trump has pledged to pull U.S. forces out of Syria, but John Bolton saying that won't be done in a hurry. We're going to be discussing uh, the president's decision to withdraw, but to do so uh, from northeast Syria in a way that makes sure that uh, ISIS... Uh, is defeated. Bolton also saying he'll press Turkish officials for reassurances that Kurdish militias who fought alongside Americans against ISIS will be protected when the U.S. leaves Syria. And that's a big part of this. That's a huge part of this. It's one thing that the president knows that he cannot do. He cannot abandon the, the Kurds and leave them hanging out to dry when they've done the bulk of the fighting uh, for us when it comes to this anti-terror campaign that continues in the Middle East. Now, uh, again, in doing Hugh's show this morning, I had an opportunity to talk to him from Ankara, Turkey. Now, before I go to that, and I want you to hear that, I want to share a little bit about what he wrote in his reporting yesterday in the Washington Post about this trip to uh, Israel and Turkey. Hugh wrote yesterday, quote, as Bolton arrives in Israel, and by the way, 
Hugh is one of, like I said, I think seven total. Hugh and six others select journalists invited by the former ambassador, now National Security Advisor John Bolton, to kind of chronicle what is going on over there as a part of this trip. So Hugh wrote, as Bolton arrives in Israel, two things are abundantly clear. The United States is not repeating the enormous strategic mistake of 2011 and bugging out of the region. Whatever the details of the U.S. presence, it will remain. It will be deep, and it will be supported by all of the allies in the new Entente, and it will be a bulwark against Iranian ambitions. Bolton confirmed the red line is still very much in place with regards to Assad and chemical weapons. If the Syrian dictator does not heed the lessons that followed the first two times he dared President Trump to do what President Barack Obama would not do, a lot of options would be on the table. We know that Bob Woodward reported that when Trump ordered a second strike against Assad, then-Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis withheld some of those options, including targeting Assad, which the president had ordered. We're not going to do any of that, Mattis is reported to, by Woodward to have said. The message seems clear to both Iran and Syria. The United States is reconfiguring. It isn't leaving. In fact, it may be getting even more lethal. There will be no repeat of 2011. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that this morning for the first time, and now in reading it a second time, I am more enthused, and I am more confident in our policy in Syria. I, like so many others, was very, very critical, including Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt came on before me each and every day over the last two weeks and begged the president to reconsider his strategy. Do not pull the troops from Syria. It would be a repeat of what happened when Obama pulled the troops out of Iraq in 2011, creating a massive void that was then filled by something more lethal than what al-Qaeda in Iraq was. It created ISIS. So Hugh has been begging the president not to do this, condemning the uh, the idea, in fact. But now that he is on the actual junket, the press junket with the National Security Advisor John Bolton, he is learning firsthand that the president has softened his stance somewhat. The president is not going to be abandoning the Kurds, nor abandoning the positions that we have, which are very important in the strategic battle to uh, make sure that we can maintain peace, and maintain our advantage over the um, um, the terrorists in the region, he is much more confident than ever. And that's what he told me when I actually interviewed. This is one of the more bizarre moments of my career, my 22 years in radio, uh, hosting the Hugh Hewitt Show and interviewing Hugh Hewitt as a guest. But that's the way it went down a little earlier this morning. I'm told that we do have the namesake of the program, Hugh Hewitt Live, and I believe, and I'll ask him, are you in Ankara, Hugh? I am, Bob. How are you? And have you given up your fondness for Sam Darnold? <laughs> You're going to start right in with the fake news. Hugh, I love you, my friend. Every day when I hear you take shots at me and i got to come onto my program and respond to only a one billionth of the audience that you have nationally, now I can get you voice-to-voice and ask you, how can you continue to be an enemy of the people and being such a purveyor of fake news? <laughs> You know, when we had that debate about Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold, I don't think anyone foresaw that he'd, he'd, he'd break the touchdown record, but I'm certainly uh, I'm on the Baker train. I want you to join me there, Bob. Well, no, you're right. Nobody foresaw that except for yours truly, which is why I told you on that stage in Cleveland, you they need to take Baker Mayfield. Okay, Hugh, let's, let's dive in. I don't see a tape in. of that. I think, 
<laughs> we, well, we don't have tape, but we have eyewitnesses. Kersenow, Kersenow has come onto your airwaves and, and reported as much. So, uh, eyewitnesses count. Um, you, uh, give, give us the latest. I read part of your, your piece in the post yesterday before you came on to kind of give a summary of what, uh, uh, National Security Advisor Bolton is doing and what the new strategy is there. Go ahead and tell us what you can. Well, I've just landed in Ankara, Turkey, where tomorrow the National Security Advisor Ambassador Bolton will be sitting down with President Erdogan to talk about the northern Syria slice in which American troops are presently occupied. And yesterday was an amazing day in Israel, primarily for, for scenes that people could see everywhere, of John Bolton at the Western Wall, of John Bolton deep in the tunnel complex underneath the historic temple, uh, abreast of the recreation of the temple, no American senior officials ever gone that far in the Temple Tunnel, and it was sort of significant. Then that night, uh, President, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu declared with John Bolton standing by him, Israel will never leave the Golan Heights. And so all of us reporters, and the, the seven reporters traveling with uh, uh, John Bolton, and all of us looked up, you know, that's a big deal. And now the question is, okay, the Israelis are 100% with us. Can John Bolton move Erdogan towards a solution that will assure that the Kurds are not slaughtered, that our ISIS is destroyed, and that the key focus in the region, Iran, remains the key focus in the region? Hugh, um, when we talk about ISIS being fully defeated, uh, and, and you wrote this in, in your piece in the Post yesterday, the President and, uh, and uh, advisor, National Security Advisor uh, Bolton are both uh, in agreement here that we cannot and will not leave until ISIS is defeated. The President declared two weeks ago ISIS has been defeated. Um, what, what does defeat look like? What does defeat and the inability yeah, to reconstitute look like? Yeah, that, that's been uh, a discussion among all the NSC staffers, the ambassador, and, and other people. Um, I don't want to give away any off-the-record or on-background stuff. I'll just say that the expectation is that the entirety of the physical caliphate will be destroyed, uh, that there are still pockets uh, and that the entirety of it has to be destroyed. And then there are questions about what to do with the ISIS fighters uh, that haven't been answered yet that are prisoners. Do they go to Gitmo? Do they go to Europe? Do they go to Turkey? Do they stay in the hands of the Kurds? But defeat of ISIS means... They have no place where they can walk around outside uh, freely flying their black flag and declaring that this is part of the physical caliphate. They'll be online for decades and, and probably uh, hundreds of years, but a physical place for them to raise their flag is within reach of getting rid of. The president said yesterday that Iran hates ISIS more than we do, that Russia hates ISIS more than we do, and that Turkey may hate them just a little bit less than we do. Can we really trust the, the, those nations and those leaders to combat them and to make sure that they can't fly those black flags anymore? I know that we can trust Israel. I was, I was so impressed. We were at the King David Hotel, which is the site of a lot of history, and talking to Israelis, senior officials off the record and on background, uh, they're fully committed to defeating Iran in Syria, and they're fully committed to defeating ISIS in Syria, and they realize their big problem is Hezbollah with 140,000 missiles. 140,000 missiles. One, one senior Israeli official told me, if there's going to be a war, uh, we want it in the next two years with Donald Trump in the White House. Isn't that interesting? That, yeah, yes, it, it very much is. Um, and, and Israel being committed, and your music is playing because your clock says we have to stop now. Hugh, can you come back on after this break? 
All right, that was my conversation with Hugh Hewitt this morning. He could not come back on after this break because he had a bunch of reports to file from his trip in Ankara, Turkey, with amb- or former ambassador. I keep wanting to say ambassador because I will always think of John Bolton as the former U.N. ambassador, but he is, of course, now national security advisor to the president. I wrapped that interview with Hugh the way I'm going to wrap it now with you, and that is to remind everybody, this is Donald Trump at his best if he follows through. This is President Trump at his best, listening to people who are much smarter than he is about such things. Remember when he ran for president? And a lot of us were like, what is this? This guy doesn't know anything about foreign policy. He doesn't know anything about terrorism in the Middle East. He doesn't know anything about the, the, what brings that terror to the United States on our shores. You know, this is, this, he can't do that. And what were we assured by his supporters at the time? That he doesn't know those things now, but he will hire the very best people to do those things for him, to, to educate him, to help him establish policy. Well, guess what? I can't think of anybody better than, than John Bolton, the former UN ambassador as his national security advisor, and Mike Pompeo as the secretary of state. These two guys do know it. So he did the right things by hiring the right people. Now it's a question of whether or not he will listen to them. He obviously did not trust James Mattis on this. I trust John Bolton. I trust Mike Pompeo, and I hope the president does follow through with this. If he does, this is the president at his best, still pushing for the pullout, but the responsible pullout, not one that is haphazard or quick or a repeat of what happened in 2011 under Obama. All right, let's get a quick timeout. We'll come back in. Your phone calls the rest of the way, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, the Bob France Authority. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired. But I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Ten twenty-five now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's go to the phones and uh, see what's on your mind. And uh, Euclid is our next stop. Frank, you are on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go right ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Frank. Good. Hey, um, the left. They're always talking about gun control and what they want to do. They uh, they want the background checks and everything. Take guns away because they say that they want it as hard as possible for criminals to get their hands on guns. Now, when it comes to the wall, what we're trying to do is make it as hard as possible for illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, to get here and to do harm to us. But the Democrats, they don't seem to think the same way with that. I'm just kind of uh, wondering why that is. Well, because they don't see illegal immigrants as being a threat to us. That's why. They, in fact, they, they would call you a racist for thinking that. Because most illegal immigrants are not white and Caucasian. Uh, you obviously uh, see them as people of color as being a threat to you. And that's why you're comparing them to somebody wanting a criminal wanting a gun in the United States. They, um, they don't. They don't see them as a threat. They turn their head 
when something happens, something horrible like Kate Steinle, Kate Steinley's murder happens. They turn their head when uh, uh, a California police deputy is murdered by uh, uh, by an illegal immigrant. They turn their head whenever. What was the most recent one? Just was it over the weekend. Uh, another death, another death, a vehicular uh, homicide by an illegal immigrant who killed another uh, American citizen. They don't see those as as being threats to your safety. They ignore those things and simply believe that all of them are good, hardworking, virtuous people who want to come to the United States and make a better life for themselves. That's how they see it. Uh, it's just it's just amazing to me. Um, and Steve Loomis had something on his uh, Facebook page this weekend uh, from a officer out in California. It was uh, really ripping into Jerry Brown about the Sanctuary City thing, and he posted a picture of Officer Singh's five-month-old baby that had uh, his dad's uh, bulletproof vest draped over him. It was just—it was so heartbreaking, so wow. heartbreaking. But the left doesn't seem to—it's amazing too that not one uh, representative from California, the governor, Newsom, Brown. Nobody went to pay their respects for that officer's funeral. No. so sad. They don't care. And if they acknowledge the horrific tragedy of that, then they're going to have to answer the question. Well, then why was that illegal immigrant allowed to still be here? Why was he let in in the first place? Why did sanctuary cities protect him and others like him? Why, why, why? They won't do that, so they won't even acknowledge it. They're going to wait for the Fuhrer to die down. They may issue a little statement saying, you know, sorry, that was sad. But they're not going to address it head on because then they have to address the cause of it as well. Now, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy is just amazing to me. It is. It That's is. It's staggering and it's sad. Frank, thank you. It's a great call. You make some really, you ask some really good questions. But yeah, they, you know, they'll be hypocritical on things like that. Well, you're right. They want gun control because they want to protect people from the danger of guns. But they don't want border patrol control because they don't think that there is any danger coming from across the border. How many times do we have to uh, interview angel family members, which I did, especially in September when I was in Washington, D.C.? How many angel families do we have to see created um, in order for people to understand this? There are illegal immigrants coming into this country for very nefarious purposes. They're coming here to harm people. There are drug runners, cartel members, gang members. Human traffickers, sex traffickers, uh, uh, the, the amount of drugs, and I'm not just talking about weed. I'm talking about heroin, and I'm talking about cocaine, and I'm talking about fentanyl. I'm talking about things that are killing Americans by the thousands. And they would rather have it all flood into our country than to give President Trump the win that would be a border wall. It would be a win for him, and a win for him is a loss for them. So rather than taking their own loss, they would rather have the American people take losses, including losses of their lives. That is, at the end of the day, what this is all about. They don't want Don, or Donald Trump to get a victory here, so they would rather have somebody else take the loss. All right, much more to talk about, much more uh, audio to share with you, and I want to hear from you, too. Uh, again, we are guest-free between now and 11 o'clock, so dial 216-901-0945, as we continue on the Bob France Authority. Station. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. 10.34, i got 26 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Very, very sad news. 
coming from the Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg on today, or today rather, will miss oral arguments for the very first time as the 85-year-old recovers from surgery to remove cancerous nodules from her left lung. She's recovering uh, and will participate in cases using transcripts, according to court spokesperson Kathy Arberg. Uh, she will not be able to question anyone who testifies before the court, nor hear the dialogue back and forth. She can read transcripts. The justice was discharged from Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital in New York City on Christmas Day. Doctors found no further evidence of remaining cancerous growths after the surgery, nor did they detect any additional disease. Despite previous medical issues, Ginsburg, the oldest member of the court, has never missed an argument until now. I bring this up for the most obvious of reasons. Is she capable of doing her job? And if the answer to that is no, is it time to start looking for someone else to do her job? Now I say that, excuse me, I say that of course with no pleasure. I say that with no animus of any kind. As a matter of fact, I have said on the air and I will say it again. I wish her the very best of health. I hope and wish she is a strong, vibrant uh, octogenarian able to do all of the things she's always been able to do. I hope she has a full and speedy recovery and can return to the court because that's what I would wish for anybody. Good health vibrancy, and the ability to do everything they've always wanted to do. But sometimes the situation isn't that simple. Sometimes people fall into poor health. And if her health, which has become increasingly an issue over the course of the last decade or so, is in such condition that she can't even be there to hear arguments and participate in questioning Um, of witnesses who testify before the court. If her health, which has continued to take turns for the worse over the last several years, prohibits her from doing her job fully, then isn't it time to consider her stepping down and allowing somebody else who can do the job fully to replace her? I know what that means. And I know that she would never voluntarily allow Donald Trump to replace her on the court. But I wonder, and I don't know all of this constitutionally, is there a mechanism in place that if a person is physically unable to do their jobs as a Supreme Court justice, if a person cannot do the job and refuses to retire or resign, is there a mechanism in place to... Uh, to um, replace them with somebody who can do their job. It's just a question. It's not a demand. It's just a question. Something that really should be considered, quite honestly, because we can't go for a lengthy period of time with eight Supreme Court justices and have a bunch of four-to-four decisions uh, that, that do nothing to help anyone. TJ's in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Happy New Year, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I'd like to answer Frank's question. Why the Democrats do what they do? You know, they want open borders. They want open prisons for one reason, future voters. That's why they play the race card, the sexist card, the homophobic card. Uh, they play that for future voters and, and, and present voters. That's, that's what they're all about. 
They're not a legislative branch anymore, the Democratic Party. They're a campaign uh, a party for future voters. And, you know, Jordan said something that I've been thinking about for a little while, and he nailed it on the head. These Democratic politicians should be put on the spot and asked, well, if you think this wall is so more immoral, will you enact and support legislation to remove all the wall, the existing wall? That's right. And, you know, I, and I asked my fellow liberals out there, if you think this wall is so moral, immoral, why don't you step up and make an example and tear your immoral fences and walls down around your property to set an example? And one other thing, Ginsburg can do her job fully like she's doing it because she's always been just one thing, a rubber stamp for the left. So she doesn't have to hear any arguments. They go through one side of her head and the other. And then in the end, she will always rubber stamp the liberal position. And that's all I got to say, Bob. TJ, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, and you're right pretty much on all counts. It is all about what helps them politically when it comes to voters and so on and so forth. And as it pertains to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's true. And some might say the same thing about, I don't know, Clarence Thomas or Sam Alito and say he's just a rubber stamp for the conservative position or for the Republican point of view or whatever in any of these cases. And it may be true. <laughs> Excuse me. But as duly appointed and confirmed members of the court, they have the right to rubber stamp whatever they want. We don't like it. It's why the confirmation process is so arduous. We want somebody who's going to be, what do we, well, when I say we, I, you, me, conservatives, want people who are constitutional originalists. People are going to simply make decisions based on what the con, uh, con, Constitution says, not on what they want it to say, thus legislating from their position on the high court. Okay, that's what the left wants. We want these individuals to do it the right way. But having said that, once they go through the confirmation pro- progress process and they are on the court, if they want to be a rubber stamp and this is how they see they have that right because they got confirmed and they got or they got nominated rather and they got confirmed. But if you're unable to even be there for the hearings, for the testimony, for the questioning, excuse me, if you're physically incapable of doing your job, there has to be some sort of mechanism, some sort of remedy for that, that maybe the Congress or the president or, or some organization within the boundaries of the three branches of government has of saying, we are declaring this person unable to, to complete, their, uh, to complete their, their responsibilities, their obligations, et cetera, et cetera. Let's put it to you this way. There is a 25th Amendment, which you know full well, <clears throat> Excuse me, that the Democrats have been wanting to invoke for a long time. They want to get, they want to get Donald Trump removed from office, uh, by using the 25th Amendment, which says if the president becomes unable to fulfill his duties, meaning incapacitated, and one can, you know, read that to mean what? You can read it to mean the president obviously dies, if the president, um, resigns, if the president, uh, simply cannot, uh, he's in a coma, perhaps, those kinds of things. And they're trying to say, well, incapacitated means we think he's crazy. We think he's insane. We think he uh, doesn't know uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, what the Constitution says. And so we don't like what he says. Therefore, he's incapacitated. We want to remove him. And it doesn't work that way. The 25th Amendment essentially uh, says, though, that if a president, because of his health, cannot serve, then he can be removed from that position and replaced with the vice president. Shouldn't there be, and maybe there is, and I'm not aware of it because I'm not a constitutional law professor, 
much as I would like to be one. Shouldn't there be the same kind of remedy for somebody who is on the Supreme Court or somebody who's in the United States Senate? If they're incapacitated, cannot vote, cannot hear cases, cannot participate in the duties that are required of somebody who is in uh, one of those positions, can they not be removed from uh, their positions based on their those situations, those those health situations? It's not the way one would wish for anybody to be replaced from their job, obviously. We would like somebody like Justice Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy just retired from the court because he knew it was time. He's still physically capable, but he chose to retire because it was, you know, getting to be a little bit of a grind, a little bit too much. He'd been doing it forever. And he wondered, that's fine. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> still getting over cold. My apologies. But that's, that's what it's all, that's what it's supposed to be. To be, you know, you re- resign at your own point, uh, you know, the point at which you feel comfortable. But if you are no longer physically able to do that, like I said, the, the remedy exists there for the president to be replaced in that event. Um, shouldn't it be there for the court as well? I don't want anything bad to happen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But if she can't do her job, someone has to be there to do it. Brexville, Jerry, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jerry, go ahead. Bob, I uh, want to comment on that uh, Palestinian senator that made that MF comment uh, the other day. Sure. She walked away as she walked away from the microphone, she had a big smile on her face. She was very proud of herself. And also, if Nancy Pelosi thinks the wall is immoral, I haven't seen her or heard her say anything about this woman being immoral. And I can picture... She supports her. She supports her. She she supported that. She said um, when she was asked to condemn the remarks uh, from uh, Tlaib, the, uh, the Muslim senator, or excuse me, representative from Michiganistan, Nancy Pelosi said, I'm not in the business of censoring people. That means right. I refuse to condemn what she said, So, which means she yeah. essentially supports it. Well, I can see Cortez and that woman and Elizabeth Warren sitting in a corner of a bar over a beer using that kind of language. And uh, that Cortez calls that woman her sister. That, yes, she does. Is, who, who votes for these women? Who puts these women in office? Who votes for them? Can't anybody use their head on this kind of stuff? Then some woman in a forum, Sunday paper, letters to the editor, said the people that voted for Trump should pay for the wall. What kind of thinking is this? Well, that's that okay. We are. Protect her, or that's going to protect her as much as anybody. Yeah, but, the, but so. the, 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 the point is, though, we already are. Those of us who voted for Trump are going to pay for the wall. We are all going to pay for the wall because we pay for national security by way of our taxes. And this is a part exactly. of national security. I have no problem paying for it. Take some of my Me tax either. dollars and use them for the wall. In fact, take some of all of our tax dollars because we are all benefiting from the security that is provided. It would be like saying that only people who believe in cops should pay local taxes to pay for their local police departments. Other criminals who don't believe in the law, they don't have to pay. Are you kidding me? Right. Poli- police protection, right. Pro- police protection, um, is is a positive thing for all of us, and thus we should all pay for it. And uh, that's the, that's the insanity of the American left, my friend. You know, you could be a Democrat or a Republican, but you have to use your head on this thing and do what's good for other people, the safety of the people. I, I sometimes I wonder what my, what's wrong with my thinking when when these people can't conform to the wall and the safety of America and make America great again like Trump wants to do. Well, you know what, Jerry? It's pretty... And thank you, my friend, for the phone call. I appreciate that. 
it's not about that they don't believe in safety. It's not that they don't believe in security. In fact, they have said on numerous occasions, so many of these Democrats, that they absolutely believe in border protection. And they absolutely believe in a border barrier. It's just that they can't say it anymore because Trump wants it. If Trump said, I believe in breathing oxygen, Democrats would be forced to say, oh my gosh, what's wrong with him? Breathing carbon monoxide is much better. Yes, that sounds insane. But yes, they are insane. If the president said grass is generally green, they will they will rip him and say, what is wrong with that guy? He can't even see straight. Doesn't he see the actual shade of that? It's not green. And they'll come up with another word for it. They must oppose everything he says. And I'm not even joking. I'm, I swear to you, I believe this. If the president said helium makes a balloon rise, they will say, no, it doesn't. It's atmospheric pressure. I mean, I, I don't care what he says. They will dispute it. Because they, too, have said border barriers work. But now when Donald Trump says border barriers work, they say, no, they don't. No, they listen. I mean, just listen to these people. Chuck Schumer, once again, 2009. was when we began debating comprehensive reform in 2005. Between 2005 and 2009, a vast amount of progress has been made on our borders and ports of entry. The progress includes 9,000 new Border Patrol field agents in the last four years. Construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence, that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. That create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. He bragged about passing that in 2005. We passed a bill that included funding billions of dollars for a border fence, a border barrier, that is a significant impediment to illegal immigrants coming across. He knows it works, but it's Donald Trump now. So he has to say, no, it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's, that's just the way that it is right now. Anything that the evil, horrible, orange man in the White House says, we will say the opposite. And their base cheers every time they do. I hate to be, I mean, I, 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 I said to Jim Jordan this morning, I don't know how, I don't know how we're getting anything done. How's the president going to get anything done in the next two years? When the Democrats will oppose everything he does, and now they can do so, do so from a majority position rather than a minority position. And I know what the left would say right now in listening to me whine. And I'm whining. The left would say, now you know how Barack Obama felt in 2010. He couldn't get anything done because the Republicans took control of the House and all they did was obstruct him. And they're right, to a degree. Republicans did obstruct a lot of what Barack Obama wanted to do. But there's a reason for that and the difference between then and now. The reason for that is Barack Obama was literally fundamentally trying to change America from what it has always been into something he wanted it to be. Donald Trump is trying to restore America to what it has always been. That's the difference. 
Donald Trump and the conservative movement is trying to restore us to our constitutionally founded principles. He is trying to maintain the representative republic based upon capitalism and liberty for all and the Bill of Rights, all constitutional principles, all rules of law, the way we have always done it. Barack Obama and the left are trying to change that from a constitutional republic to a uh, to an almost socialist totalitarian nation. He was trying to fundamentally take away the liberties that are give, given to us, the freedoms granted us in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution. There is a big difference between the two. And when you hear Chuck Schumer saying, yes, we were proud to pass that bill and fund 630 miles of border barrier, here comes President Trump saying, how about we fund 630 miles of border barrier now? Nope, doesn't work. But you said, nope, doesn't work, I said. That's the insanity of this all. These people are literally, I swear to you, and I'm not a doctor, but I swear to you if I was... I would diagnose them as being clinically insane. Right back after this for the last segment. More of your calls coming on AM 1420 VS. Got an update for you on my poll question of the day that I'm using on Twitter. After Christian Bale declared that uh, Donald Trump... Uh, or excuse me, not Donald Trump, Dick Cheney, uh, the character that he portrays in his uh, award-winning thus far uh, film Vice, uh, that his per- portrayal of Dick Cheney was inspired by Satan. Um, we have this question, uh, question for conservatives. Are you able to separate political commentary of Hollywood actors from the on-screen work that you genuinely like? Put another way, can you still watch great Christian Bale or Robert De Niro, or Matt Damon, etc., movies, after they spew their liberal hatred of us. 22% of the respondents say, yes, movies are not real. 25% say, I don't know, it depends on the actor. 53% of the responses say, no, I cannot watch them. To be clear, I would say this, I would never, in truth, pay money to watch them. Do you know what I'm saying here? I'm not talking about going to the movies, plunking down $11 for a seat in your local Cineplex and paying Christian Bale or Robert De Niro or any of these people money. I wouldn't do that. I bought a new pair of sneakers on Saturday. Went into a sporting goods store with my wife. We were doing some shopping. Actually, we were turning a Christmas gift that uh, didn't fit my daughter. So we were um, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, sporting goods store, and they had this massive clearance sale in the middle of the uh, store on these tables, like on a bunch of card tables, uh, shoes that were being clearanced out. And I looked, and I looked for my size, and I found a whole bunch of them, and I thought, nope, 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 maybe, nope, nope, nope. You know what all the nopes were? Boxes that had swooshes on them. I won't pay Nike. I will not give Nike a nickel of my money, as long as that money is going to Colin Kaepernick, who hates police officers, lies about police officers, compares police officers to slave patrol, disrespects veterans and the military of this United States, I won't give. I won't buy a Nike product again. Now, I have some Nike products that I still own, and I will still wear because I'm not rich enough to burn everything I have that I, that I don't like. I can't burn it and then go buy new stuff. I just don't have that kind of money. 
but I won't buy new products from them, right? That's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about going to a new Matt Damon movie or a Christian Bale movie, but if one is, is on your local cable channel, not your local, but it's on your cable channel, when you're flipping around on Saturday afternoon, if it's a movie you like, if Goodfellas is on, if The Godfather is on, and those are Robert De Niro movies, you're not giving him new money. Would you watch it? Or do you hate him so much you turn it off? Christian Bale brought that into my mind because I like the Batman movies and a lot of other of his movies, quite frankly. And I watch them, even though I'm disgusted by him and his commentary. So keep keep that vote going. It'll be up for 24 hours on my Twitter page, which is Radio Done Right, on Twitter at Radio Done Right. Jan in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Oh, hi. You know, all we heard for years and years was uh, uh, immigration is broken. What we have to do first, the primary thing we have to do is uh, close the border, not close the borders, you know, uh, uh, secure the borders. Yes. And now, and now that's, that's, uh, you know, just out of the question, Surly Schumer, and he's calling it his wall. Hello, Mr. Schumer. Uh, you're totally disregarding us people in the heartland who voted for the wall. He's calling it his wall, meaning uh, Trump's wall. And the Trump's wall, right? And uh, you know the uh, pompacious uh, Pelosi. She's just—they're uh, off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> very well done. Very pun accepted and very well played. Jen, Jen, you're right. Um, that's what they do. They're trying to again diminish. Uh, the, the fact that the American people voted for this wall. It wasn't Donald Trump who voted for this wall. It was the American people who voted for this wall when they elected him and said, you know, we were given a choice, right? Hillary Clinton said, open border hemisphere. Donald Trump said, wall on the border. Guess who won? Wall on the border won. And that's why they absolutely have to continue to oppose it to this day. All right, that is it. That's all the time that I've got. Thanks so much uh, for listening to the program. Really appreciate it. If you listened during some of Hugh Hewitt's show today, as well as this one, God, you're a trooper. I appreciate that. We're back tomorrow with the next Bob France Authority. Mike Gallagher's next on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.